America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. In today's episode, we will discuss why self-care should not be neglected and how making time for yourself can ultimately impact your autistic child. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hi, y'all. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the warning. (laughs) I know. So today we're talking about self-care. And it's a very, very important subject and one that I feel a little bit, like, ironic about. I was going to say self-care. What's that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) So we are not the best at preaching on self-care, but we are very aware of the importance of self-care. And the reason I say that is because self-care is something that I personally struggle a lot with. Right. I think it's just the logistics of our situation specifically. I'm working actually in a like brick and mortar location, so I have to commute to the office and then you work remote. <laughs> and I take them to their therapies in right. school while I'm working remote. Right. So you have both going into meetings as well as making sure the kids don't burn down the house. So you don't really have a break during your normal business hours. <laughs> and that's excluding the fact right. that we are also running Autism Wish and the Embracing Autism podcast. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, but I think that self-care doesn't necessarily need to be like, oh, I need like a like full day at the spa, for example. It can be like small incremental like bursts of energy that you're able to try and like get back into your life. So I think trying to realize that might be a shift of perspective and might be more applicable for your current situation. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk about self-care is because I personally struggle with self-care. And for me, the reason that I struggle with self-care is a little bit twofold. One is because I have executive dysfunction. And so sometimes it's just forgetfulness and not being able to keep track of the self-care type of things. But it's also because my instinct is to be a very strong mama bear. I am just the type of person that wants to put my kids above myself constantly. And I do that to a fault to the point where I'm constantly putting them their needs above my needs which I honestly feel like is the right thing to do. But sometimes I forget to take care of myself. And when I don't do that, then I'm not capable of taking care of them the best way possible. For me, it's kind of a learning process of trying to give myself some grace. But practically speaking, it's a lot easier said than done. And I agree. I mean, I think as a parent, your perspective of how you protect your children or make sure that they have whatever they need, you're willing to necessarily like sacrifice your well-being to make sure that they're taken care of. So, I mean, that is the the mindset that most of us go into as parents. But then at the same time, if you're continuously making sacrifices to the point that it is impacting your well-being, where you are no longer the same mom that you were, would you have taken a break 
gotten a sip of coffee. I say sip of coffee, not a full cup of coffee. Well, because we know <laughs> that the youngest one will take my coffee because she's right. Obsessed. But but even just like <laughs> a quick five, ten seconds, just to kind of breathe and kind of be like, okay, it's okay, and put yourself in a more healthy position to keep going. I think definitely trying to focus on yourself is better in the long run for your children because if you're continuously building up tension, eventually it's kind of like a rubber band; it's going to snap. You don't want to be in a bad situation or yelling at the kids for any any reason if they did something wrong or, or whatever the case may be. I think that this is something that most parents struggle with, but I truly do believe it is a more profound issue when it comes to special needs parents or parents of autistic children, because you have to deal with an extra layer of tension and stress that you don't normally have to deal with. I don't mean that in like a negative sort of way, but I mean it just realistically. For example, my youngest child is extremely sensory seeking. And because of her very high sensory seeking needs, she is constantly on me. And I mean, literally, physically <laughs> she's on a, me. She's either a parrot where she's sitting on one shoulder or she's like, what, a monkey? And she's like sitting on like both or on your head or. Yes. Like she is one of those who's really athletic and able to climb anything with her bare fingers. So she literally will climb my back all the way up to my shoulders and sit there either on one side like a parrot or she'll go and wrap her legs around my neck and then she'll hold on to my hair or my head. And she does this no matter whether I'm sitting down, standing up, lying down, it doesn't matter. And if I'm in the room, she is on me. Like if we're in the same room, there's never any physical distance. Have you noticed the difference between how she treats you versus me? I know. So, so with me, <laughs> she'll sit on my knee or she'll like snuggle next to me and she'll like be like sitting like perfectly fine. And I'll kind of like rock her in the chair as we kind of just watching TV or just I wonder I know, if it's just like the height difference. Like I wonder if she's like, oh, mom's an easy target because she's just like four foot 11, but dad's too tall. I don't know what it is. It's so stressful for me because I am sensory averse to that sort of thing where I really need my space. I don't like to be like manhandled, if that makes sense. So it's just like really stressful for me. But I know that that is something that they need. So I try to accommodate it as best as possible by like moving her to my side and giving her hugs or cuddles or squeezes because I can handle that. But it just never seems to be enough. Well, I mean, half the time she's still your head or your shoulder. It'll start off, I think, essentially with her kind of climbing up to your shoulder. And then depending on how much energy you have, <laughs> if she stays there or if she needs to kind of like come down and kind of be like snuggled. And these are those moments where you as a special needs parent have a conflict because you are now required to either meet your child's needs or your own. So when I'm in that situation, I have to decide between, well, do I want to meet her sensory needs and be more empathetic towards what she's needing right now? Or do I want to meet my sensory needs and and go towards what I need right now. And finding that balance is really difficult sometimes. I basically have found that I just gauge it on my current stress level. So if I'm feeling more relaxed that day or more capable that day, I just let her do whatever she wants. And I'm like, whatever. But on those days where you might have had like a tough day at work or just a bad day and things aren't going well, your sensitivity to that kind of heightens and your ability to deal with anything that just bothers you on a day to day, it gets a lot more sensitive. And so I am less capable of handling that sort of thing during those times. That's why self-care to me has been a struggle. I'm always constantly trying to balance between what I feel I should be doing as a parent, which to me is meeting my child's needs and making sure they're okay, and still working on not feeling guilty if I am then trying to meet my own needs. 
Right. And I think it is honestly a day by day kind of judging like, okay, like how well am I able to put the right foot forward? I'm not sure if that's the same, (laughs) the good foot that whatever it is. Cause some days, I mean, it seems like you're not stressed out. You're able to make it through the entire day, kids climbing on you, everything. It doesn't, you don't break a sweat. And then other days, as we get kind of further in the week, and if more is piling on for work, then, I mean, you kind of get a little bit more broken down. And I mean, I think I'm kind of the same way too. I joke around that my least favorite day of the week is Thursdays, because I figure everyone knows that a Monday is coming and you're coming off the weekend. So you're like, okay, Monday's going to be rough. But then by the time you get to Thursday, you're already exhausted from the other days of the week. Thursday pops up and you're like, I'm not quite to Friday. And so you don't have the motivation to like the weekend where you can actually relax. So I feel like Thursday is always the struggle for me. And I just need just like a little boost just to kind of keep going. So, I mean, for me, I try to find like self-care as in like going for like a drive with the girls. We'll put them in the car and I'll get a coffee at like five o'clock in the evening. And we'll just go for like a, like a little drive just around town looking at the sunset. I mean, we, we drive kind of by this path so the girls can see like ducks and see like the river that's there. And it's just kind of like a peaceful drive that's probably like 20 minutes, half an hour. And the kids are able to listen to their songs or whatever show that they want to watch. They're able to listen to it in the car. So they're still kind of happy, able to listen to their music. And I just get like a quick little like breather, like, okay, just like a little half hour of relaxing as I'm driving in traffic. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like a more controlled babysitting because we're still entertaining them, but we don't have to worry about physically wrangling them because we know they're secured in their cars. And we're able to have adult conversations because generally when we're at home with them, one wants your attention, one wants my attention, or they both want your attention or either vice versa. And they get loud, loud, loud. Like they keep increasing their volume. Oh, yes. That is one of my biggest pet peeves is it is often impossible for Matt and I to have any sort of conversation at home because our girls are so loud. And it almost seems like when they hear people talking, it triggers them to want to be louder and louder and louder to the point where they're almost trying to match your volume. So like if you increase your volume, they increase their volume. It gets to the point where we just can't have a conversation. So we end up having to wait until they're down or we have to leave the room and go to another room. Right. That right there is a struggle. And that's why I think just finding like little moments where we're able to take like a break. For me, that's kind of how I deal a little bit with self-care, pushing the reset button where, okay, we have half hour, 40 minutes, however long we want to drive in the car, just kind of relax, drink our coffee or whatever. So that's like one way that I kind of get like a little bit of self-care. The other one is because I take a commuter bus into the city for work. It's an hour going and coming home. And then in the afternoon, I'm not ashamed to say it, Leah, sometimes I take a nap. Oh, I know you take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) You'll you'll like text me when I get off work and I'll respond like an hour hour later and I'm just like, I, I put on like my my headphones and I was listening to music. You take a little nap. I just took a nap. <laughs> so, I mean, that those are some of the things that I do just to kind of push like the reset button and kind of get to a better mindset to be in the best state of mind I can be to be there for our kids. So I'm curious, how would you rank yourself on self-care? My self-care is probably on, a, on, on a one <laughs> being God awful and 10 being amazing. Mine's so on a scale of one like, to two. <laughs> mine's probably like a two or three. It's really bad. Oh That's why I feel, I feel a little bit hypocritical talking talking to you guys about this in the sense that I am really terrible at it. And I know that it's really important. I just wanted to talk about it because I feel like this is real. Like, I am sure there's plenty of parents out there who completely understand and relate to this. My self-care is basically, am I able to squeeze in like 30 minutes of a television show or something at the very end of the day while I'm in bed? And if I can do that to me, it's a good day because I can at least get that little bit to diffuse my brain at the end of the day, if that makes sense. No, no, absolutely. Because otherwise it rolls over into the next day and the next day and the next day. 
you never get to hit the reset button. You are still carry over the stress to the next day of, oh my gosh, I haven't even gotten to just breathe for five hot seconds. And then you start the next day and it's the same thing. So it just compiles exponentially with kind of just the stress. I mean, (laughs) we laugh that we're recording this episode because earlier today, our youngest was slapping you across the face. Oh my gosh. Today was a really rough day, guys. My youngest, she's extremely hyperactive and sensory seeking. And one of the things that she's gotten in the habit of doing is for no apparent reason that I can currently identify, she will randomly out of the blue slap me in the face and like hard. Like I know she's a toddler, but it was not pain free. <laughs> Just getting in a slap fight with a uh, two and a half. And it was like multiple times. Well, I she, thought I she, thought she was done with it. And then nope, she turned around and slapped me in the face again. Well, that was after she found the little xylophone mallet or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. After she, she was hit hitting with- me on the head with it, too. Yeah. that It's been really difficult because her sensory seeking behaviors are now kind of like towards me. And I don't know why they're more attracted to me because they leave Mac completely alone. Well, because because you had to leave the room for a little bit just to kind of reset cover. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure if you got a headache after. I mean, after the it last was one. It was really painful. Oh my gosh! And the other thing is, I try really hard not to react around my kids whenever they're doing something, and it really, really hurts or it impacts me in a way where if you were alone or there weren't children around, you would normally like react by either like right. screaming or, or cussing like a, like a or like. And I mean, they, yeah. they they mock with like a grunt. You got slapped like two or three times, and it was just kind of like a like because yeah, like, they like laugh, grunt, they, they laugh, and they think it's funny, and they like yeah. kind of try and like recreate like the humor in it, yes. and it's like no, this is not a humor because it's the same thing. Like because I don't know why they drop things on my foot all the time, so, and then you react and scream, right, and so they like, think oh, it's funny, gosh. and they do it again, right? And then then they think, oh, it's funny, like Daddy makes silly sounds. Let's like try, <laughs> try and recreate it. So it's just like uh, sometimes you're just like okay, like don't make a sound. You're, you're foot- constantly you're, like <laughs> self censoring because you don't want to react in a way that would make them want to do it again. (laughs) We're basically being abused by our children. Right. And trying not to make any sounds and just kind of like, no, we're good. We're good. It's okay. As a tear is like going down your cheek. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, because I mean, like, I feel like we're like saying this like lightheartedly and kind of like laughing, but it's kind of like, I mean, horrible. Right. And that's what I was saying. Like, we're, I'm not sure if we're laughing to like avoid like crying. No, I literally cried. I went right. into the, I went, I left the room and I went into the bedroom and then I was just crying because I was so frustrated because I was getting beat up on and there was nothing I could do about it. And I know that they don't mean to, and I know that they don't understand and it's not their fault. So I don't want to lash out at them or necessarily punish them for something that they don't understand. To me, the challenge is I love them to death. It is not their fault. They don't understand what's happening or what's going on. They don't get the social reaction component to that. And they are also really high with pain tolerance. They get hit all the time by running around and yeah, like by just doing being clumsy and jumping and it doesn't phase them because they have like a really high pain tolerance. So because of that, I think that they think other people are the same way and they will go and hit other people and just think that it's normal and the other person's okay with it, basically. Well, because I mean, because she hit you like three or four times within the span of like 30 seconds. I mean, it was almost like bam. Oh, yeah. It was aggressive. Bam, bam. (laughs) But I mean, I think that that was the best approach, though, since I was home. You were able to remove yourself from the situation, and then I was watching both kids while you kind of recovered and just kind of got back to neutral. But I think that honestly, that might be one of the best approaches if you don't have any other option. Like you're not able to like, oh, I'm going to go like watch TV or something. Like if you don't have the option to watch like TV for like an hour, just remove yourself from the situation until you're able to kind of reset, be kind of like, okay, my headache is gone or, or whatever the case may be. Because I mean, we do the same thing or they teach the same thing with like, if you have a newborn baby that's continuously crying, 
they say like, okay, basically like put them in the crib in a safe place and step out of the room for a few minutes just to come to a neutral standpoint. And that's kind of the same thing that we did with meltdowns too. We make sure that they're in a safe environment where it's calm. It's not too much uh, stimulation or whatever until they kind of get to a more neutral point. I think that that might be a, a good place how to do it or handle it moving forward. One of the challenges with that area with the self-care aspect is it's kind of like a drop in the bucket where, you know, one or two drops, it doesn't really impact you or mean anything. But when you have the constant dripping of these sorts of high stress situations, eventually your bucket gets full and it starts to spill. And that's where you get hypersensitive to these sorts of interactions. Getting slapped by my kid once here or there during a regular day where I may not have a lot of stress, it's not too big of a deal. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I can handle this. But realistically speaking, there are days where we might have a stressful day at work and it spills over to home. And there's things like that that happen where you're already kind of on edge and it makes it very difficult sometimes to parent without a clouded mind in those situations. For me, the best thing to do in those situations is essentially remove yourself temporarily, try to clear your head, try to do something soothing, whether that's listening to music, watching 20 minutes of your favorite show, reading a book you really like, whatever it is, meditation, whatever it is that you do, taking that time to reset your mind. Because as soon as I was able to do that, I took like 20 minutes to myself. I was fine. Got out. I'm cool. Everything's good. Because it was a different environment that you were entering, not just your state of mind, but also their state of mind. Because they had completely forgotten that they thought it was funny to slap mommy and beat up mommy. They were basically sitting with me watching one of their TV shows. And then when you came out, our youngest wanted to bounce on the ball with you. She apologized. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> she after, apologized. after we got through this the, was good. Right. After we got through the apology, then she wanted to like bounce on the ball because she thought that it was fun to bounce really high on the ball, for example. So she had completely forgotten about that. And it's not like she was trying to recreate more of yes. that unhealthy behavior. By you taking the 20 minutes, you were able to come out and be a better version of yourself for the kids. I personally feel like self-care is really, really important. And whether it's in the form of these small little moments or something more fancy, would you say, like in terms of going out to like a spa and getting a massage or something like that, like if you really need that, get somebody to watch your kids for like a day, a couple hours, whatever it is that you need to make sure that you're able to get that time away. Whenever your mom comes over, we always make sure to take advantage of the fact that she's here and we are like, okay, we're going to go on a date night as soon as the kids go to bed tonight. And we make sure that we do it even though we are busy. We're like, forget all the stuff we have to do. She's here for a limited amount of time. Let's milk it while we have it. That happens um, kind of whenever she comes to visit or if you have any family members that are able to help out there. But I think the important thing is also to help with family members who don't live the day-to-day -day life with your kids. What we basically do is wait until our kids are in bed. And then the likelihood that they would need us to come in and retuck them in or do anything beyond that is very limited. So we're able to actually go out on a day night after they go to bed. So it's not like we have to worry about anything like someone not being as comfortable with the kids as we are. And the reason that we said that this essentially impacts your children is because how you behave and present to yourself around your children ultimately does impact them in the sense that they're observing your behavior and they're potentially absorbing your behavior. A lot of times people have this impression or this belief that autistic children don't understand what's happening, that they're not aware of their surroundings especially if they're nonverbal or preverbal, there's always this misconception that they're not aware of what's going on. 
from my experience with my kids, I've been able to realize that that's often not the case. When they were particularly like nonverbal, there was a lot of assumptions that we made about what we thought they knew and didn't know or what we thought they understood and didn't understand. And then later when they were finally able to say some things, we were totally surprised at how much they absolutely knew because we completely wrote it off and thought that they didn't understand, but they actually surprised us. They kind of reflect what they've heard or have seen through our parenting style. It's exactly just as they're raised. So you want to make sure that you are raising them as best as possible. It is important to take the five, 10 minute break if it gets you to a better state of mind to parent better. I've always had a difficult time conceptualizing self-care. I remember speaking to somebody one time and they were explaining to me that metaphor about the masks on an airplane and how they say to secure your mask on before you secure your child's mask. And I always thought that was ridiculous. I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I'm going to secure my child's mask on before I secure mine. Like, there's no way I'm going to take care of myself before my child. I need my child to live. And I had to have people like talk me through the process of understanding why you should secure your own mask first. And then after thinking about it, I'm like, oh, okay. So logically, it makes sense that you want to secure yours first because you're the only one who can do anything in an emergency situation and the child can't. So if you don't have your oxygen and you're not able to then secure the child and take care of everything that's happening, then that child's going to end up in trouble regardless. So it makes more sense to secure yours. But see, my mentality is always the other way around. Right. Right. It's funny that you say that mostly because your dad was a pilot, Leah. I know, but he he wasn't a flight attendant. (laughs) Right. I mean, he was flying. But then even (laughs) after his flying career, he worked for the FAA and you had had someone outside of your father. That wasn't his job. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because he didn't know he had to have that conversation. I mean, okay, fair. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. (laughs) I mean, to me, that metaphor was always super confusing because I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to secure their mask first. But no, in reality, it makes sense. We as parents, especially as special needs parents, we really need to learn to secure our masks first. We need to work on our own self-care because at the end of the day, it's going to impact your ability to have patience with your child. It's going to impact your ability to be joyful around your child. And if you're not joyful around your child, you're not going to be able to spend quality time with them and do the fun things they want to do. You're not going to have the energy to do it. It can impact depression levels, anxiety, all sorts of negative things that come from that. And honestly, the best way to take care of your child is to make sure you're taking care of yourself first. Right. Our kids learn so many things through our actions. And I guess we have to ask ourselves, what do we want our kids to learn? Do we want them to learn that, oh, when I get stressed out, I grumble and shuffle my feet and act like Mr. Grumpy Pants? Or am I able to take five minutes, step out of the room, shake my head, get a sip of coffee, and then kind of come back into the game with a goofy smile and play like a tickle game or something? I think we have to be very aware of how our actions are being observed and taken from our kids. Self-care is really, really important, and I urge you to consider your own needs, not exclusively, because of course the needs of our children are very important, but what I mean is to not forget yourself and lose yourself in the process of parenting your child and not lose your own needs in the process of meeting your children's needs. Yeah, I think that's great. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. To recap, we discussed how as parents we need to remember to care for our needs in order to better care for our children, as well as to make time for ourselves to decompress during stressful moments, whether that be through a spa break or a 20-minute breather with your favorite book or show. We also noted that by learning not to neglect our own needs as parents, we are better equipped to meet our children's needs. 
Tune in next time as we talk about why it's okay to skip out on therapies in order to make time for fun and creating family memories. We answer questions such as, how do I balance therapies with family time? Why is accommodating family vacations and time together important? And how can I continue to make memories with the unique limitations of autism? This is Embracing Autism. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.